Are you one of the thousands of people who have added to their family through adoption? How do you sort out all of the resources, unravel the myths, and get started? Welcome to Adoption Unscripted with Micah Johnson. On our show, we introduce you to the families, the adoptees, and the experts who can answer any questions you may have to make this the wonderful experience that it truly is. Now, here is your host, Micah Johnson. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Adoption Unscripted Radio. I'm Micah, your host, and thanks for joining me on this rainy Friday, at least here in Nashville. We're getting some of that weather from the hurricane. I guess you can't even mention rain without thinking about those folks that were in the path of the hurricane. So we want you all to know if you're listening that our thoughts and prayers are with you and we want you to take care of yourselves and to stay safe. So um, I have a little cold today. I really tried to do everything I could possibly think of to get rid of it before Friday. My friend Carol was like, just chug some vitamin C, and I did that. And my sister was like, don't talk too much, which is difficult for me. As anyone knows me knows, that's difficult for me. Um, But I tried to keep it to a minimum. Um, Didn't work very well. I drank a lot of tea. I drank a lot lot of honey drops. but um, So it might not be as bad as I think it is, but I'll try to keep the slurping of the tea down to a minimum, and I will not cough directly into the microphone. So um, this is really exciting. I was told something pretty exciting this week. So all of y'all might not know this, but this is our seventh show. And that's unbelievable to me. I mean, we've been doing this seven, seven weeks. That's, That's awesome. And I thanked everyone last week for, you know, hanging in there with us, listening to the show, sharing the show, and um, giving me such wonderful feedback. But what I, and I'm going to continue to do that, because if folks don't listen to the show, then there isn't a show, right? So I'm going to say thank you to the cows come home, because I really mean it, and it's important that I let y'all know that. But what I thought was really interesting I got some information that, of course, we have listeners here in the States, but I didn't know that we actually had listeners uh, to Adoption Unscripted internationally, which kind of blew me away, really, because um, when I'm talking, I'm, I feel like I'm talking to a group of you know friends, and I don't really think about how far-reaching the show actually is or how far the show's reach actually is. So when I got the list of countries that listen to the show, I was blown away. So I just wanted to share that with y'all because I hope y'all think that's as cool as I do. Maybe I'm geeking out and it's not that cool, but I wanted to give a shout out to the folks who are listening to Adoption Unscripted and they're not in the States. Um, so we have listeners from Ireland and China, Japan, Canada, Germany, Germany, India, Thailand, the Ukraine, and in the United Kingdom. I mean, get out of town. That is amazing to me. So thank you, everyone. You're probably not listening to this live because of that time difference. I don't even know what time it is right now in Thailand. But when you hear the show uh, on your time, thank you so much for listening. And please come back and share it with your friends. And we hope that we are giving you something special in this hour that we're spending together. So if you listened to last week's show, it was phenomenal. My friend, my girlfriend, Abigail, was on the show. She is from the blog um, Hurting Chickens, 
and she's awesome and fantastic and wonderful. And she talked about trauma. She is a self-proclaimed trauma mama. And we talked about trauma and how to deal with that. And she gave us some awesome resources and just some practical tips and, and strategies that she uses when she's working with her two children. And what I loved about Abigail was that she was just authentic and real. And she made us feel like it's okay when we have issues and when we experience um experience things like that and we're not really sure what to do which got me thinking about adoption and the the aspects of adoption that people don't really talk about that much and the parts that I think sometimes folks are embarrassed to say out loud for those of y'all who don't know and most of you do I have a sister I have a twin sister her name is Micha and yes our names rhyme but we did not name ourselves so we have to thank our mom for that and my mom is listening to every show so everyone out here is thanking you for that for naming your daughter's names that rhyme okay and we're identical twins and we own this business here in Nashville it's called Seeing Color and we work with transracially adopted Families And we have a family-centric approach to our business, so we do activities that are for the whole family. And we do them sometimes, we break them out into mom and daughter or um, couples or just the kids, but we do retreats and workshops. And we're actually going to do a couple of conferences in 2018 that we're super excited about and some retreats, and we'll talk more about that later. But um, So that's what we do. And we do something called a gut check. And a gut check, we do this periodically with our workshops. And a gut check is where we stop and we say, okay, so where are you now? What are some things that you're struggling with, some challenges that you're having? And what are you doing to kind of work those challenges out? So I'm going to read to you the, not my definition of gut check, but what I looked up. Because folks are like, are you making that up, Micah? Okay, no, I'm not. Um, There's a real definition. The definition of a gut check is a test or an assessment of a challenge that you're facing and the courage, the character, and the determination that you use in facing that challenge. So we have something called a challenge circle that we do in our gut check. And a challenge circle is just imagine, and this is a big circle. We put it out like on on the floor and we, we tape it out. So in the middle of a circle, imagine a bullseye. So in the middle of the circle, you have um, like a big circle in the middle and then you have two circles that are outside. So it looks just like a bullseye, like a target. And we ask our families questions and that they might be challenged by or feel challenged by and they place themselves somewhere on that bullseye based on how they feel about the challenge or the question. So let's say I said to you, "Are you? do you want to hold a snake? Or would you mind holding a snake? If you're like, oh, that's so cool. I don't have any problems holding snakes. You would step in the middle of the bullseye, meaning I'm good with it, no problem. If you were like, okay, I'm not really that fond of snakes, but I could probably do it. I might, you know, yeah, I could probably do it. Then you want to step on the first circle that outlines that middle circle. If you are, you know what, Micah, I don't like snakes, um, and I'm afraid of snakes. I'm not sure if I'm going to be okay with it, but I will do it, even if I'm not sure if I'm going to be great or if I'm going to succeed. Then you'd place yourself on 
the outer circle and folks actually step in. This is a this is experiential. So we have our parents, if we're working with parents or kids or teens actually place themselves in this big circle. But if you said, no, I'm not about snakes. I don't do snakes at all. You would step outside. You wouldn't even be in the circle. And you could even place yourself a distance from the outer circle based on how much you don't like snakes. We do this um, this challenge circle exercise, but we ask questions about transracial adoption, whether it be about race or parenting um, or discussions. We, we ask questions about transracial adoption, and we ask our parents to place themselves in the circle. But what we found is that there's a concentric circle where all adoption, whether it be transracial or whether it be um, if you came to adoption through international or private domestic or foster care, there's a concentric circle where all adoptions have several things in common. And one of the things in common is that there are things that folks just don't talk about a lot that I guess there's some emotions attached to, and that happens with all adoptions. So today on today's show, I thought we would do a gut check. So we ask, um, we took some of the questions that we ask our um parents and Mike and I took the questions we asked our parents and we compiled them for the show. And what we came to find was that the questions were pretty much four questions. They were, they, the questions all kind of fell under um, four different groups and there was a theme there. So the questions were around bonding. They were around open adoption. They were around race when adoption, and they were around behaviors. And I'm thinking more about behaviors of the children. And that's probably due to trauma and things like that. So we are going to answer a question, or I'm going to answer a question from each one of these four themes. And then I'm going to give you some strategies that you can use if you're having a similar issue. And then um, if you want to check back on the Adoption Unscripted website. You go to the cheat sheet page on the website, and I'm going to have all of these references, resources, books, um, videos, everything that I use to come up with this show today. Because with Seeing Color, our company, we have this whole physician heal thyself attitude where we empower our parents to go out and educate themselves. Um, and to find out as much information as they can. And we flood them with resources. And then we kind of walk through and handhold them, walking through, um, handhold, hold hands with them, I'm sorry, walking through these resources and help them to put these resources um, into real life practice. So we want you guys to be able to do that too. I want you guys to be able to do that too. So we are going to, I'm going to put all this information on the Adoption Unscripted website and you can have it. And we want you to dive into it and check it out. And kind of educate yourself. So remember I said that that there the questions had four four themes and it was bonding, open adoption, race, and behavior. Okay. So the first question that we had was from Jessica. Jessica. Okay. And Jessica writes, My child has been home for eight weeks, give or take a few. He is five years old. In the beginning, things were peaceful. 
On the trip home, he was quiet and didn't say too much. I thought he was just taking it all in. However, boy, did things change. Now he is defiant and doesn't listen to anything I say and rarely follows directions. If I if I stand firm with him, he can become obstinate and aggressive, both verbally and physically. I'm ashamed to say this, but this is not what I expected it would be. Am I a horrible mother or is this feeling normal? We waited so long to become parents. Okay, Jessica, and I changed the names because I don't want anyone to feel like I am um, breaking a trust. So, but Jessica, um, her feeling is actually quite normal. There's a transition period that happens after you adopt, where most people adopt. I'm not going to overgeneralize, but for most folks, there's a transition period. And it's kind of like when the honeymoon period is over. And Things just, and there's such a buildup. I mean, folks wait years to adopt. They spend tons and tons of money sometimes. They've experienced infertility and um, different things bring people to adoption. But for everyone, it's a journey. And the journey can be long. And so when you finally bring this baby or this child home, in the beginning, there's this fairy tale that you feel like we're going to hold hands and we're going to walk into the sunset as a family. And you really want that and you build it up and then things get home, you get home and things aren't like that. And there's some, some folks have even called it like the post-adoption blues or the post-adoption sadness. I listened to an awesome podcast when I was doing research for this show was on creating a family and Don Davenport, which all y'all know is a hero of mine, um, did an an excellent interview and I'm going to put that on the cheat sheet page. But, um, and they talked about how some folks even call it like a, the post-adoption blues. And um, it's kind of like we had the the um, eclipse here in Nashville. And it was we had like we were going to have like total totality. And I even tweeted about it and put it on Facebook. Or we're going to go outside. It's going to be, you know, totality right in our yard. You know, woohoo. So we went out there with our glasses on. It was myself, my sister, her husband, all of our kids. We went outside, our glasses on, um, and we were out there, and we were all glassed up, and we were looking at it, and we sat there, and we saw the sun go down, and or the sun, you know, covered up, and um, the, the crickets came out, and we're like, oh my gosh, this is awesome, it's fabulous, and then we looked down, and we saw these little snake figures on the ground, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's awesome and fabulous, here it comes, here it comes, here it comes, and then some clouds came over, and we didn't see anything hardly. And so we all kind of stood there like, wow, is that it? I mean, and there was some disappointment. And I, and I, I dare I say, there may have been a little bit of crying. Uh, yeah, there was some crying because we had built it up. My sister had built it up. And we were experiencing it. And then we we're like, wow, that was disappointing. And sometimes adoption can feel that same way. You know, you get these kids home and... It might not be what you expected, and that is okay, and it's normal, and people don't want to mention that because there is some shame that is involved in saying that this child that I waited for, for years, for years, and I changed my life for, and I'm disappointed, and you can be disappointed for many things because you're not feeling the attachment that you thought you would feel. You haven't fallen in love with that child yet. And what I say, coming from a background 
a teaching background, I'm working with children, is that when I'm teaching children and I'm working with children, every child thinks that Miss Johnson loves them. I give them all of my attention and my time and my love and my focus. And so what I tell my parents are that I work with is do that and the bond will come. It will come. But first, give them that love, that attention, make them safe, make them feel safe. And eventually it will come. If it doesn't come immediately, it's okay. We don't all fall in love at first sight. I wish that we could, especially with adoption, but with our own biological children, sometimes that happens. And when you've waited to adopt um, and, you know, you're not feeling as happy as you you thought you were, there have been times when I've had clients say, well, you know, I mention it to my mom and she'll say, but this is what you've been waiting for. I mean, this is what you asked for. No one says that to folks who have their biological children. No one says to folks, well, this is what you asked for. This is what you were waiting for. But sometimes people do say that to folks who have adopted because it's more of a process. There's more planning. It's, there's intent. There's money involved in that sometimes. And so they think that if you ask for it, you should be happy. And sometimes you're not. So I think first of, first and foremost, Jessica should not feel bad. She should not feel ashamed. And I think that if you just hang in there, Jessica, and you do the teacher thing where you give them the, you give them the love, you make them feel safe, you take care of them, and make sure that they're okay, that the bond will come. It will come. And you just need to hold in there and give yourself a break. Give yourself a break and be kind to yourself. So, um, and I think that this happens more often. And so if you know someone that's adopt that's adopting, you know, sometimes just ask them how they're feeling. Ask them, you know, check in with them and see if they're okay. Because I think sometimes from what I hear from my parents, people think that adopted parents just go into it and it's just happiness and joy and light. And that's what you want to be. But it's not always that way. Okay. So we're going to take a little break and we're going to come back with our second question and we're going to dive in, and um, hopefully, if you feel, if you hear yourself in that question, you'll get some answers, and you'll get um, some strategies as well. So we're going to hold on, and we'll be right back after these, this break. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. 
Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are tuned in to Adoption Unscripted with Micah Johnson. If you'd like to reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to hello at adoptionunscripted.com. Now back to the program. Okay, we are back and we are answering questions about some aspects of adoption that folks don't typically talk about but are nevertheless just as real. So we have another question that just came in from Casey and I'm going to read it. It says, hi, three months ago, my husband and I adopted a two-year-old boy from foster care. My husband and our two older children and that she says they're seven and nine, don't seem to be bonding with our adopted son as quickly as I am. Should I be concerned, and is there anything I should or could do to assist? Thanks for your help, Casey. Well, you know what? Um, I'm not sure who said this, and I'm going to find this quote and put it in the, in the cheat sheet, but I think it may have been an Ethiopian proverb, but... It said that all stalks of corn do not grow at the same time, but they're all ready for harvest. And I hope I didn't tear that up, but that's that's the gist. And I think my takeaway from that was is that we're not all going to be on the same timetable. We're not all going to do things at the same time, and there shouldn't be the expectation that we do. However, that we will all get there eventually. And so, Casey, what I would say to you is that you and your husband, first of all, need to be on the same page about things. And I'm sure that you went into this. I'm hoping that you went into the the decision to adopt together. Because if one one partner doesn't want to do it or is not as enthusiastic about it and as the other partner is, there's going to be a problem. And that's with any relationship and any decisions that you make you have to be on the same page um but with men it seems like men don't have the same expectation and men are just a little bit more laid back with their feelings about things so i'm not sure if if it could it's that your husband might not be bonding or maybe he just has a different expectation and is more chill and is going to take it as it comes because typically what we see is that the dads, I think it's the mom thing. The moms, you know, have this 
this beautiful, you know, desire to jump in and feel that mom-child connection. But you've heard, you know, that there are some biological fathers that say, I didn't really feel connected to my baby when it was born. It took me a while, you know, until they could talk. I've heard some people, some men say, you know, when they started talking things and I kind of jumped in there, but I really didn't feel much a connection when they were small. I think that's something that we hear with men a lot anyway. Um, so I think that maybe he'll catch up. I think that he will, or maybe he's just okay with the way things are and is okay taking time to get there. Um, but as far as your children are concerned, and they're nine and seven, so they're elementary school age, sometimes children have a difficulty with change. And we see when we have a lot of our parents at Seeing Color, they adopt children, but they're not um, they're not a childless couple when they come to adoption. At least half of our parents already have kids. And so um, in that in that instance, sometimes there's a there's a jealousy that comes with children who are there. I mean, is mom and dad gonna spend more time or more attention on the new kids? If you adopt out of birth order, so let's say your youngest child now becomes a middle child, or your youngest child becomes an older child, or your only child now becomes one of many. That Those kinds of things can be disruptive to children. And what I would suggest, um, and what we encourage our families to do, is to, to approach each child individually. Take some time to do one-on-ones with your children, and just check in with them, and and maybe go out um, alone with them. I was listening to this podcast and someone suggested that you go out, you know, have have coffee and cocoa with your child or take them on a walk or go on a picnic. And, and we do that. We have mom and daughter retreats and we have dad and daughter retreats and we have mom and son retreats. And then we have retreats just for the kids. Give, give your kids an opportunity to be siblings without you around. We do an activity. We do a lock-in and um, the kids come and the, both the biological kids and the adopted kids come to the lock-in and hang out together, but there aren't any parents. And that allows them to just be siblings and not have to be, um, you know, in the home as your as your kids, just sisters and brothers, but not your kids. And I hope I'm explaining that and you're getting what I'm saying, not having to be a part of that family dynamic, just to be brothers and sisters with each other. So that's what I would suggest with that. I would suggest that you, you take time and you check in with your kids and you make sure that they're okay and you keep the communication open and you spend time with them individually and make sure that they're okay. Um, and you allow them to be siblings together. And you just consider that this is a big change for everyone. And as far as your, your partner or your spouse is concerned, I think that you shouldn't expect things to be the exact same. I mean, like I said, I'm identical twin and we we, we respond to things differently. And so that means that that shouldn't be surprising that anyone responds to things differently. So I think we should give everyone a break. Give yourselves a break, give yourself a break, and give other people a break too. So I hope, Casey, that that helped you. Um, and if you want to send me a personal email, if you have questions and you're, I don't, I'm not able to get to them or you want me to help you with that, you can go to hello at adoptionunscripted.com and there's um, an, a space on the show. I think it's in the contact or and you can just pop a question to me and I'll answer it or you can go to the Facebook page or you can go to Twitter and Twitter is adopt unscripted, um, not adoption, just adopt unscripted. And you can leave me a question there too. Okay, 
So we, t- we talked about the four um, things that we had that came up in bonding. Now we're going to jump into open adoption because um, I was talking to a, a woman the other day and she was telling me that she wanted to adopt and um, but she wanted to adopt internationally and things had slowed down so much that she you know was reconsidering and I said well how about foster care I mean there are a lot of children in foster care she said she wanted to adopt an older elementary school age female child and I said well there I mean thousands of, of female children school age in foster care right now and she said well but I'm not really I don't want to do open I, I don't want to do open adoption I'm just not feeling that I don't you know that that scares me and I don't know if I would be okay with that so I think you see that issue. Open adoption is scary to a lot of folks. So let's go ahead and read this this question. And this um, woman, she chose to be anonymous, so we're not going to say her name. Okay, so my daughter is a preteen. We adopted her when she was four from foster care. We live in a small town, and her birth mother isn't too far away. I've actually seen her now and then over the years. Now she is 14 years old, or we're talking about the daughter now, not the birth mom, the daughter. And she wants to meet her mother, which is normal, I guess. And I know it would be healthy for her, or at least that's what some people say. But I'm not interested. Her mother has a troubled past. And without giving too much detail, let's just say she suffers from chemical dependency issues. To my knowledge, nothing has changed. I don't want my child around those types of things. How do I handle this? What kind of influence will she be on my daughter? Well, I get what you're saying. Um, and I completely understand it and, and could see why this could be an issue. Open adoption is the trend now. Very rarely are you going to be able to adopt without some level of openness. Um and most therapists say and adoption professionals do say that open adoption is the healthiest route to go for the child because children are going to want are going at some time most children are going to want to know about where they came from and their parents and their history and their background and it helps them with their identity and it helps them to grow up and just kind of know who they are and that's really important especially with adopted children so there's going to be some level of openness and there probably should be and this is not my opinion this is the opinion of folks who are much smarter than me and have been doing it much longer than I have but it is what I have heard from the tens and tens and tens of parents that we've worked with that have had um, an open adoption and it's also we know the opposite side of that. It's what we hear from our adoptees that we work with that don't know a lot about their history or their past that they wish that they they did know. So I'm I'm going to go ahead and say I agree with this that it is probably healthy to have some level of openness. However, folks don't really tell you that when you adopt, you may have to have relationships with birth parents that you don't particularly agree with some of their choices and this is the way that we look at it people are human and they make choices 
And you can make a bad choice, but not be a bad person. And there's always an opportunity to teach your child the difference from being a bad person and making a bad choice. So if you have, if your daughter's 14 and she's interested in knowing about her mom, but you're concerned that her mom has these chemical dependency issues, so we're thinking drugs or alcohol, one of the things that you can do is to teach her that sometimes good people make bad decisions and that and that when you are involved with drugs and alcohol, they can lead to some decisions that are forever life-changing. One of the things that we do with our kids um, personally is that at my mom's church, we feed the homeless every year. And we take our kids there so that they can give back. They can see that homeless people are people too, that where that they have things in common with these homeless people and it's just circumstances that led them to be homeless. But we also take them there as an opportunity to learn a life lesson that if you don't try to stay on the straight and narrow, if you don't make good choices, if you don't make good decisions, that that these kind of things can happen to you. So I think that if you talk with your daughter, she's 14, if you talk with her and you explain this to her, that if her mother, and if you feel safe, and you don't have to ever put your child in a situation where you don't feel safe, or where you think that she could be harmed. I am certainly not saying and advocating for anyone to do that. But if you think that you, for your child's benefit, for your daughter's benefit, if you can create a situation where she could have some access to her birth mother and be able to learn from her birth mother's experience, I think that she will thank you for it. And if you don't make it possible, if it is at all possible, it could blow back on you as your child gets older. It could. We see that all the time in transracial adoption when when parents don't expose their children to their past, to their culture, to their language, that when they get older, they tend to um, branch off and want to find themselves. And they sometimes have anger and resentment to their parents for not giving them all the information that they could to help with that journey. So that's just a suggestion that we have. But absolutely, openness is scary. And um, I completely understand why. But it's something that I don't I don't think we're going to be able to totally um, get rid of. We're, we're, we're going to, at some point, have to accept that open adoption is here to stay. But like I said, if you... I'm going to have lots of resources about open adoption. There's a wonderful article, I think it was in the New York Times that I read about open adoption, and I'm going to link that up for you so you can take a look at that too, and I'm sure that that will be helpful. Okay, Um, I'm going to start with this next question. It is about race, and as you know, as a transracial adoption consultant and coach, we talk a lot about race um, with our families. And, but I think uh, one of the questions that we ask folks is, are you prepared to raise a child of a different race than, than yourself and a different culture of yourself? And people always go into it saying, absolutely, they are, and they're 100% on board, and they're ready to go, and they'll do whatever they have to do until I make the suggestion that maybe you might want to find a different home or different neighborhood because the school system isn't conducive and isn't all white space for your black or brown child. I think that um, there are a lot of things you have to consider when you're raising a child of a different race and a lot of decisions that have to be made and stepping out of your comfort zone 
and introducing aspects into your life that you maybe weren't prepared to do. But now you see you have to because you're raising a black or brown child. Um, I can give you an example of of that. We have a, and it's a quick example, <laughs> if I can do that, but I'll, I'll make it quick. We have a, 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 a couple that are raising um, a child from Haiti, and they um, just recently bought this gorgeous house and a neighborhood here, and it's it's a beautiful house. I've actually been there, and um, unfortunately, the neighborhood is predominantly white, and they just got this house before they adopted from Haiti, and you know, um, it's in their neighborhood is a mostly white space. Their child is living, growing up in a mostly white space with white teachers and not seeing any representation of themselves in the staff or the, the faculty or the staff. Um, and so we had a discussion over tea um, a couple of days ago. And I was like, how's it going with that whole school thing? Because now we have other options. You can take your child to a private school or something like that. But we don't have a lot of private schools in Nashville that are not predominantly white spaces. So that's going to be difficult, too. And she was like, are you? seriously suggesting that we move from this gorgeous house that we just purchased a year ago well that's an option it's an option Um, and we can brainstorm other ways that we can bring more folks of color into your life but those are some some hard decisions that you have to make when you're raising a child of a different race and they're in your life every day those are some decisions that you have to make so um, that's a good question. And there are a lot of aspects of race and adoption that come up that you would not expect, especially when your children get a little bit older and you're having to answer questions and you're having to fend off stares and you're having to explain your choice, which I think the, the question that I have mentions all of those things. So we're going to dive into that. And um, let, let me just say that there is hope. All is not lost, and we will definitely be able to give you some strategies for that as well. But um, as with anything, with raising children, um, even you know, biological children, adopted children, as parents, we find ourselves faced with having to make some hard decisions and do some things that we never thought we'd have to do for the benefit and the betterment of our child. So um, if you guys want to stay with me, I will be right back, and we will dive into our last two questions, okay? We'll see you on the other side. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. 
Aliens with Gas, we are the extraterrestrial rock show airing every Saturday afternoon on the voiceamerica.com variety channel. <laughs> Whatever happens out and about, it kind of dictates our conversation. For sure. And we like to tie in a little bit of the past and obviously keep it real current. And real current was a couple nights ago right here in Phoenix. A phenomenon happened. On Thursday night. Phenomenon. 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 All right, never mind. <laughs> That's every Saturday right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You are tuned in to Adoption Unscripted with Micah Johnson. If you'd like to reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to hello at adoptionunscripted.com. Now back to the program. Okay, we are back. You almost caught me drinking a little bit of tea. I think I'm holding that pretty good, though. So let's go ahead and jump into this next question. Um, as I was saying over the break, it's about race and um, adoption, and that's what our whole business is about. So obviously, things, some things can come up, and um, we're going to help kind of try to help you with that, with this question. So it says, um, and I don't think that I have a name for this question either. So I, I guess this person wanted to remain anonymous, anonymous as well. I adopted two kids from Ethiopia, three and 18 months. Well, I thought I was prepared to parent children of a different race. I wasn't prepared nearly enough. And I think it was most about other people's response. All the changes that I've made, I would make them again in a heartbeat. But the questions that I get and the stares are really too much from strangers. And God forbid I go to the Walmart. How do I keep my kids safe and happy while living in a fish in a giant fishbowl with all the questions that folks come up and ask me in front of my children as if they're not standing there? And this also happens with friends and family as well. What do I do? Well, that's a good question because... Um, I, I guess Walmart is like um, the place where anything goes because so many people will come and say that someone in Walmart, and usually it's a little old woman, will come up in Walmart and say, oh, your kids are so beautiful. How much did they cost? Or, oh, your, or your kids are so beautiful. Was her mom on drugs? So I think that that happens. And God bless Walmart because I'm in there every day, too. So God bless Walmart and everyone in Walmart. But I think that tends to happen. And not just in Walmart. I think it's because or anything specific to the Walmart, I think it's because people have questions and they're curious. Now, I have to say, as an identical twin, when my sister and I are out together, we get stared at all the time. 
And it's not because people are being rude. Um, They're just interested in two women that are grown adults who look a lot alike. And that's interesting. You don't see that every day. So they stop and they stare. Um, We're pretty used to that. It's been happening our entire lives. So so I'm going to say to some folks that the staring that you're getting is not a negative. It's just a stare of interest because it's something different. Um, no matter how many times we see transracial families, it's not the norm. And so it is different and people stare at things or take notice of things that are different. So that's just my perspective on that, on the staring part. However, folks will come up and ask crazy questions. It's like they don't have a filter and they don't know what's okay and what's not okay to ask. I can tell you that, and I'm ashamed to say this because I'm an adoption professional, but there was an instance where I was at a school program. I think it was my niece and nephew's program. And there was a woman there and she had adopted a a, a boy. No, I'm sorry. It was two children and they were happy. And I'd seen these kids around several times and, and they were great. Their, their hair looked great. And that's an issue with sometimes of transracial adoption is how the children present, you know, physically. And they looked awesome. They were in all these activities. The, the family was just, I mean, completely a yummy family. And so, like, for a moment, I lost my mind. And I went over there and I said, and this is horrible, but I said, you're, an, you're a transracial family? And, of course, she looked at me like, Yes. And I said, I'm an adoption consultant and you're doing an awesome job. Now, that was wrong. I mean, I the children were, were I think they were standing there. I, Lord, I hope they weren't standing there, but I think they may have been because it was like a family function. And sometimes people just lose their mind for a minute and will say crazy things, me included. And if you're listening out there, I am so sorry about that. But sometimes that happens. So we're going to we're going to just look over sometimes when people just say things like that, not in an offensive way, but just in a, in a, in a way where they're not thinking, and they're opening their mouth before they're speaking, because that happens in all situations. But as a transracial family, you do become a conspicuous family. And sometimes you are living in a giant fishbowl. And when folks come up to you and say things like, how much did your kids cost? Or was their mom on drugs? I would suggest that you just immediately say, I'm sorry, but I don't think that's any of your business. Now, in the South, we're very polite people, and we're raised to be polite, and we yes ma'am and no ma'am, everyone, no matter how old we are, we yes ma'am and no ma'am each other. But even in the South, and this might happen more in the South than it does in other areas, if someone says that to you, what you need to say is, I'm sorry, but that is none of your business. That's what you need to say because it's not any of their business and that conversation probably needs to be brought to a complete halt at that moment for the sake of your children. Your your children don't want to see you get all up in arms and if someone asks me what my child costs, nothing good's going to come from that and your children don't want to see that. So just nip it in the bud and keep moving. Um, but what you're also going to find is, is that you'll get those kind of questions from people who know you and know your children and still will ask you those questions. Everyone's not going to agree with your choice. Um, everyone's not going to agree with the fact that you adopted, period, let alone you chose to step outside of your race and adopt children that were of a different race. And that's their right to feel that way. However, it's not their right to make you feel 
or your children feel anything about about that, anything negative about that. I mean, you're going to find yourself being an educator and educating people about adoption and educating people about transracial adoption and educating people about race and race relations and educating people about culture. You're going to find yourself doing that because that is the role of the transracially adopted parent. And we make sure that our parents are very aware of that. You are forever changing the lens in which folks view you and you're adding that drop of color into your white family. And so your family is now your your family is now a multiracial family. It's not just your child, it's your entire family. And you might want to check in with folks about how they feel about that before you make those decisions. Um, you know, one of our parents said, I never considered that my my parents, her parents, would be parenting black children. I never asked them how they felt about that. And that's a question that you should ask. How do you, how do you feel about grand, being, being the grandma and grandpa of two little black kids? That's a good question because you're going to want your kids around them. So I think that, you know, not you need to soldier up because this is only the beginning. As we know, race is not going anywhere and there's always going to be a racial issue. And we folks of color, we parent our children, our black and brown children every day. And you can do it too. You absolutely can do it, too. You can do it very, very well. And if you need any help, you can drop us a line at seeingcolorcommunity.com or you can hit me up on Facebook and um, our Facebook page or Twitter. We will give you as much help as we possibly can. But I think, you know, you you don't want to talk about race. Um, And we had a whole conversation about this. I think it was with um, Kevin Hoffman. And you can check out that that interview as well. It was a great interview interview as well. And we also did I also did a show about that after Charlottesville. So you, we have two shows about um, race in our adoption unscripted seven shows. And you can go back and check those out. But I'm here to say that you can do it if you're if you're transracially adopting or you're considering it. I I don't think it's easy. Um, I think that you need to educate yourself. I think you need to have many, many open discussions, but you absolutely can do it. But as far as living in a fishbowl or being a conspicuous family, that's pretty much what you are. And um, and that's okay. And that's okay. I have another question, um, and it was from, I think I got this in an email, and I want to make sure, okay. Here it is. Um, and this question is from Kelly. And Kelly says, um, and this was this was about behavior. Because, you know, we had bonding, we had open adoption, we had race, and we had behavior. Those were the themes um, that we got from our group. So the last question is about behavior. As my adopted child ages, heading into puberty, I have noticed some behaviors that are very different from my biological children. I think the behaviors could possibly be hereditary and not sociological or environmental. I am mindful of my approach to getting to the root of the issues presenting themselves now, but I want it to be a family effort so that my child doesn't feel ridiculed or isolated. I really need help navigating this crossroad with an explanation point. So, Kelly, thanks for reaching out with your question. Um, When I spoke with, when we interviewed, um, when I interviewed Abigail last week, she talked a lot about behavior, and we're having um, a, 
adoption competent therapists come on. I think not the next show, but the one after that. But I'll give you the date for that show in my show notes as well. Um, but he's going to talk a lot about the clinical side of of behavior and trauma and how that manifests itself in your, in your children. But what we need to understand is that most children who are adopted, I'm not going to say all, so I don't want to overgeneralize, but most children who are adopted, even as babies, suffer from some some kind of trauma. And it starts to manifest itself in different ways, and you can see it as your children age. And um, But if you don't know your children's medical history, or you don't know your children's history with their first family, you don't always have all the information that you need. So what Abigail taught us um, in her wonderful way that she did last week was that you kind of have to be up for anything, ready for everything, hope for the best and prepare for the worst and be able to give your children what they need. Now, I, I think that we, we parent different children in different ways and so I think that you should parent each child the way that they need to parent them and what is most successful. And there's no need to do a one-size-fits-all type of parenting because that doesn't work. Even with twins, it doesn't work. Um, so I think that just the idea, just the fact that you feel that, you, that you're concerned about it means that you are really thoughtful and you're thinking about it. And my suggestion suggestion to you would be to parent the situation as it comes and to go back and listen to the episode from last week. Now, Kelly, I am going to give you so many resources about um, parenting and parenting the the hurt child. And because you don't know um, and you don't say how old the child was when you adopted him. I don't think you said that. So that ha- might have something to do with it as well. Um but as long as you're being mindful of the situation, I think that you are on the right the right track. And if you want more information, feel free, like I said before, to just reach me out in my social media channels and we can talk more about this. So um, I hope that this has been helpful, guys, um, and that you've seen yourself in some of these questions. If you had that you've gotten some strategies and some solutions, make sure that you go to the Adoption Unscripted website. Um, tomorrow and I will have all the links up there for you that you need and the resources and um, you can take a look at that if you have questions that I don't have up that I didn't get to answer for you or you need more resources feel free to let me know I also want to say that I had someone um, ask me more than once to start a adoption unscripted uh, Facebook page I'm sorry Facebook group And hesitantly, I did start one. So you can check it out. It's Adoption Unscripted. It's the private Facebook group. I will let you in if you ask. I'm in there all by myself right now, so I'm super lonely. So please take time to check it out. We're going to have our guests come back and do live Q&As. I might pop in there and do a Facebook Live now and then. Um, We're going to have some challenges in there and some surveys and kind of make it a one-stop shop for all of us to be able to help each other out with this crazy um, journey of adoption. So thank you so much for sticking with me. Thank you so much for listening to my scratchy voice. Again, we wish all the love and prayers to everyone in being impacted by the hurricane. You guys stay safe, take care of yourselves, and we will see you next Friday. Okay. 
Thanks for joining us for Adoption Unscripted. We hope you'll tune in for another edition of the program with your host, Micah Johnson, next Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a terrific week.